Hello guys, welcome to episode number nine, I want to say. Is it? Yep, episode number nine. Um, and this one is going to be all about self-love, self-worth. I thought I'd just do like a an episode that is completely based around that just because I feel that I haven't yet done one that's completely around this topic. I've kind of blended it in with other topics and I feel that it's, um, yeah, it kind of is at the root of all things in life. I'll go into that a little bit more um, in a second, but I do feel that everything that you do in life and the way you perceive life is kind of moulded by your relationship with yourself. I will explain that in detail in a sec. Um, just a little update on what happened since I last spoke to you. So my last podcast got released on my birthday and I went on a fucking Marie Kondo rampage of my life. I can't even explain it. Like pretty much everything that I said in the podcast is what I did. I My wardrobe is just – there is so much stuff put aside to like donate, gift – to friends and family, just everything, just put aside. You should see it now. Every item of clothes that I have in my wardrobe, I'm now actually excited to wear, which has caused a slight problem because it's then kind of inspired me. Inspired is probably not the right word, but we'll just use that word because it makes me feel a little bit better about it, but inspired me to purchase more fucking shit. And I'm not a huge shopper. Do you know? Do you guys want to know a fun fact about me? I hate, hate wandering around aimlessly shopping at a Westfields. Get me the fuck out of there. That to me is the most boring thing in the world. And I get that that's weird. I get that most people love shopping, but give me a fucking list and I go in there, bang, 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 bang. I smash it out and I'm out of there. The only time I enjoy like quote unquote window shopping is if I'm like outdoors in like a beautiful, like, I don't know, Paris, New York, you know, like somewhere outdoors, somewhere nice where every three minutes I'm stopping for a beautiful fucking cappuccino. But don't get me in. Like, do you know what Westfields are? They are the RSLs of the shopping centre world. Like, it doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime. The lighting is always the same. You kind of get coerced into spending way more time than you anticipated in there. And when you leave, you're bewildered like what the fuck just happened where have I been I kind of need a nap now that's how it feels going into a bloody Westfield wow I don't even know what I'm trying to where I'm trying to go with this but I did end up at a Westfields on the weekend and it just confirmed to me that one of the places that I want to spend the least of my time in in my 30s is a Westfield shopping center or a closed in shopping center let's not discriminate here I just don't want to be in an enclosed shopping center for an entire day what a waste Anyway, uh, so it's been a very productive week as far as streamlining my life. I've been doing a bit of study, kind of, I've got some big ideas brewing and I will announce it to you guys relatively soon, but I just kind of want to flesh these ideas out a little bit better. So um, fun psychological fact, actually, when you have a goal that you want to achieve, apparently it's not great to announce that goal to absolutely everyone again and again and again. Studies show or they reckon that, yes, maybe tell like your closest people in the hope that they'll keep you accountable. But if you have this massive goal and you keep repeating it, 
people are then already impressed and proud of you when you tell them about your goal. Like if you say like, oh, I'm going to lose 10 kilos by this day. People are like, oh, congratulations. That's so good. That's so good. So you're already actually getting the congratulations and the accolades and you're getting all of that before you even do that goal. So then you're like, well, that felt really good. That was a hit of dopamine. So I'm not just going to tell this other person my goal and this other person and this other person. Like I've done that many times in my life. And it's so fucking true that you end up feeling a sense of accomplishment before you fucking accomplished it. So the best way to drive you to do it is when you're busting to tell people and you've limited yourself to just a select few that you're allowed to tell, maybe like two people. So you're actually more likely to get off your fucking ass and do it. So then you can share it with the people that you love or the people that you connect with. Um, Because until you actually fucking start doing it and get off your ass and do it, you've not allowed yourself to share it. So you're more likely to just do it. Um, That's why I don't want to go into absolute detail about what this plan that I've got brewing because I don't want to start getting, yeah, getting people to be like, good on you, whatever, if I haven't yet commenced on this task because it is a big task. Okay, so how I'm going to break down this episode, I'm going to first, before we do anything, I'm going to quickly break down the difference between self-love and being up yourself because I feel we need to get that out of the way. Um, Then I want to talk about the separate factors that damage your relationship with yourself and within that what you can kind of do about it, like little hacks about what you can do about it. And then I want to talk about different ways of kind of why your how your brain gets wired the way it's wired and kind of the neuroscience behind thought patterns and um, instinct versus like emotional instinct versus overriding something with logical thinking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's begin. The first thing we're going to talk about is difference between self-love and being up yourself. So I think a lot of people do feel a bit weird still talking about self-love because they think that it's got something to do with being conceited or up yourself when it's actually the total opposite of that. Um, Because when someone is up themselves in the sense of like needing to tell everyone how much better they are than everyone else or that they're just the absolute best. That's insecurities. That's this competitive cockiness. It's causing a divide between them and other people and it's forced. Whereas genuine self-love causes more of a connection with people. It's not forced. It's genuine. It's more coming from love instead of impressing people. Um, and it's more personal to yourself. So being up yourself is very often a public display, whereas self-love, while it can be obvious that someone has a high level of self-love, you can see that it's more a, a private relationship that that person has with themselves. And that's why they feel comfortable. That's why they have this calm sense of confidence and it's not this overt, fake, forced thing. So there is a massive difference And I don't think you should ever feel uncomfortable talking about self-love because I think that it is important and it's a topic that we all need to kind of get our heads around um, because it's, in my opinion, self-love is actually the root cause, like I started saying at the beginning of the podcast, that self-love is the base of your happiness. So it's after... Everything that I've read, all the research that I've done, kind of everything I've studied, 
I've come to realize that everything that occurs in your life from a perception standpoint, so we're talking relationships, careers, happiness, success, any life experiences that you have is affected by one main thing and that is the relationship relationship that you have with yourself. If you have a terrible relationship with yourself, you taint all those things that I just mentioned. You taint your career. You taint your happiness. You, it's, you, you can damage your ability to have really pleasant experiences because of a terrible relationship that you have within yourself. Because everything that, when it comes to perception, everything that you perceive is in your brain. And that's also the hub of positive or negative beliefs and thought patterns. So if you've kind of overridden your whole brain circuitry with negative belief patterns about yourself, all these things that are being perceived are going to be perceived in a really negative way. And then vice versa, if you have a really good relationship with yourself, then everything that comes in, you know, you you end up enjoying it more. You really reap the benefits. You get a lot more out of it. So I genuinely, genuinely believe that self-love is kind of the the base for anything that you want to achieve in your life, no matter what it is. I don't care what it is. If you have self-love, you're kind of 10 steps ahead than where you would have been if you didn't. Okay. So also, let's just, I just kind of want to go into this thing. I want to talk about social media before I get into all these facts about, um, all these different factors of, of your relationship with yourself. I want to talk about I think so people love to blame social media as the root cause for their feelings of inadequacy or for society's feelings of inadequacy and anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't contribute. 100% it is a contributing factor. Yes, I'm not dumbing it down. I'm not playing it down. I'm not saying, oh, it's absolutely nothing. It doesn't affect it all. But I can tell you right now, this is not the root cause. And a lot of people say that social media is the root cause. The issue with people saying that is that you basically assign blame to something that's so big that you can't really control. So you think, oh, well, you know, this is just society now and it's social media. I'm telling you right now, I come from a time, and I sound old saying this, but where there was no social media in high school. Literally, I think MySpace came in when I was in grade 12. And I can tell you for a fucking fact that self-esteem issues and anxiety was rampant back then as it is now. It might be bigger now, sure, but I can tell you that you don't need social media to feel shit about yourself. You can feel shit about yourself without ever having technology. So we need to realize that we can't keep assigning blame to these massive external things that you have no power over because the issue with doing that is that by assigning blame onto something that you have no absolutely no control over, you are less likely to make a change because you feel powerless. So while it can contribute, and when I go through this list, you're going to see that there are many possible things that can contribute. It's not the cause because if social media was the cause, then all the users of social media would have heightened levels of anxiety and shitty self-esteem which is not the case. So if you feel that it's a trigger for you, then you probably need to step away from it a little bit. But you've got to understand that there are many other deep-seated things going on for you to be feeling the way that you are feeling. Okay. Now, let's talk about the factors that can damage your relationship with yourself. So I'm going to 
break them all down first and I'll just label them and then I'll go into further detail about them. So we've got number one, negative toxic relationships or situations. Number two is negative self-talk. Number three is perfectionism. Four is competition and separation. Five is feelings of powerlessness or inadequacy. Uh, And number six is being guarded and your inability to be vulnerable. Um, And I definitely want to clarify a few things in that because that one's crucial. Okay, so let's start with number one, negative toxic relationships or situations. Now, this is very often the start. Very often it's the start of your feelings of you know, your self-esteem issues or feelings of inadequacy, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, all of that, very often stems from that toxicity from other people. And it can happen when you're young, old, it doesn't matter. Um, But it's, there are times in your life that you might not remember them as defining moments, but that are fucking defining moments in your life. Where the For example, I can pinpoint moments in my life where I wish I could freeze time, me being who I am now, go back to the Alexis of 18 and stand the fuck up for myself in that moment. Like I would just explode out of my skin to be able to do that. So I could shake not just myself in that moment but the person who was assaulting, abusing me, assaulting me verbally. You know, there are times where you're able to pinpoint where someone has attacked you and you've believed it and then taken that as your truth and then continued on with your life, just feeling a little bit shitter about yourself, a little bit shitter about yourself. So the issue with other people and other situations, and when I talk about situations here, I'm talking about maybe like media or advertising or something that's made you feel inadequate, that's made you just not feel good enough. And made you feel shitter about yourself. Not accept yourself. Has there been something like, I I once saw an ad, for fuck's sake. When I was in Asia, I was in Thailand. And there was an ad about these two sisters dancing in a room. And one of them runs over to her sister's bedroom and looks in the mirror. And she's darker than her sister. And she's like, oh my god, shocked. And her sister smiles at her and hands her this skin bleaching cream. And then... It shows her like over a stage of two weeks, you know, where they do that time warp thing where they like their skin gets lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And then in two weeks, she goes running into the room and she's as white as her sister and they're dancing and all happy. I was fucking shook when I saw that ad. I was like, what the fuck have I just witnessed? Li- imagine being a child and watching that ad. Like what? That should be fucking illegal. For any skin tone, color, whatever, like that was cooked. But then, then I started thinking, well, look at wrinkle, anti-wrinkle campaigns. Look at all the campaigns. Like, fair enough, if you want to be super white, fine. But that ad made it that she wasn't good enough until she was white. That's the issue. It's like if you want to advertise bleaching the shit out of your skin, just like here in Australia, we advertise tanning so much and we glor- like we glorify tanning, you know, Uh, There's a whole thing that you could say about that. I'm not going to get into. But what I'm saying is if you want to advertise that, that's one thing. But the issue with 
ads that we are fed, especially as young children, is that we're made to think that if we don't have that or if we don't get that, we will be inadequate, obviously, because how else are they going to sell it if they're not making you feel like it's a need? So what I'm saying is that you've got to kind of – I want you to do a bit of an inventory in your life and think, when have I been made to feel shit about just me and how I am and not really questioned it? Is it because I'm overweight and there are there have been things said to me either by obviously the shitload of, you know, advertisement, media, whatever. Now, yes, social media, like I said, it is one of the factors, one of the many factors, whereas it was something that people have said to me. Um, has it been something about my intelligence? Has it been something about the way my face looks? And then you need to then go and rewrite how you feel about what was said to you or what was um, portrayed to you or advertised to you. So, for example, like I said, you know, where I wish I could jump out of my skin and talk to myself when I was 18. Personal story of mine, I was dating this guy and he was just absolutely awful. And if you've listened to my, um, my podcast, I think it was two episodes ago, I kind of mention it about how I always had really good self-esteem and then that one year where I dated this guy, it kind of really rocked my self-esteem and my self-love kind of dropped down quite a bit and I felt that I was probably the most timid I've ever been in my life at that point. And sometimes when people say things to you, logically it's easy to look back and think, oh, you know, that's obviously not true or obviously he's being an asshole or obviously they're just being mean, it's not true. But until you are willing to stand up and not just think, oh, that's not true, move on. When someone says something truly hurtful to you, you sometimes take it on, maybe not specifically for what it was that they said, but you take on the hurtful words as pain. And then you carry that pain with you and then you kind of shrink a little bit. You shrink a little bit. For example, that psychopath that I dated when I was younger, he would get to the point where he would find out that I wanted to go out for coffee with a male friend and he would pull over the car and start screaming at me, screaming, you have no idea, like, you're a fucking cow, you're a fucking cow, like going nuts, going absolutely nuts, forcing me to get out of the car, kicking me out of the car in the middle of like fuck knows where, and then driving off. And that is traumatizing. Like that's, if you're 18 or 19, you know, it's so funny because then years after that, I excused the relationship being like, yeah, nah, he was young too. He was this, he was that. He he was fucked in the head. That's the truth of the matter. No, nothing will excuse that behavior. Nothing excuses that behavior. We need to stop making excuses for toxic people and toxic situations in our life because when you make excuses, you suppress the fact that you felt so shit about it. You think, nah, just it's fine, suppress it because – it's okay that they acted that way. It's okay that they said that to you. It's okay that they made you feel shit about yourself. It's your job to say to someone, it is not your job to tell me how to feel about myself. That's my job. So stop fucking trying to infiltrate my mind. It is not your job. That is the new narrative that you need to start telling yourself. You need to draw the line and say, no, I'm going to stop you right there. Thank you very much, but no, thank you. I'm not going to take on board anything that you say if I don't want to take it on board. So you could shut the fuck up and go back home, go back where you came from because I'm not interested. But if I saw 
what happened to me back then happened to someone else, I would 100% intervene. I would stand the fuck up for that person and I would shut the perpetrator down, shut them down. And that's something that I think the better you start feeling about yourself or one of the ways to actually help you feel better about yourself is to help other people that weren't in that situation. You're going to find times in your life where you have the opportunity to step the fuck up and defend someone or help someone out who doesn't have that level of you know, confidence or self-esteem where they can stand up for themselves and you can do it for them and that doesn't, not only are you helping that person, but you're going to see that that's going to strengthen your sense of um, importance to yourself and I will go into ways of strengthening that later on, but this is one of them. So now what I want to say is regardless of what someone is telling you, fucking regardless, if they're calling you fat and you happen to be overweight, if they're calling, if they're saying a comment about your nose or the shape of your eyes, like what you need to realize is that who are they to tell you their opinion on your appearance? Stop just allowing it. Don't think, yeah, well, it's true, I'm fat. No, 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 no. Irrelevant. It's fucking irrelevant. It's like, what the fuck is it to someone else to walk up to someone else and tell them how they feel about their appearance. Get fucked, cunt, like fuck off. Like to me, I cannot handle it when someone just gives someone else their unsolicited opinion about their appearance. Are they high on crack? No one asked you. No one gives a fuck about your opinion. Nobody cares, especially when you're a negative, sad sock. Like if someone was to comment on someone's weight, I would just say to them, what's it to you, what my weight is? Like, how does it affect your life day in, day out? How is it affecting you? And why are you making a comment? Because obviously this statement is just a reflection on you and not one on me. We need to start as a society to reteach people what is acceptable and what's unacceptable to be told to someone. Um, Like on a much smaller scale, and obviously it didn't offend me, but I was buying coffee the other day and this old boring dude who was charging me was like uh about my nails because they're obviously extra as fuck and he's like I didn't um yeah I didn't know nail salons were open at this point and I'm like no no I get them online and he's like well they're disgusting and I'm like I mean my response to him was like well you seem like a really fun person thank you and then just waited for my coffee but I'm kind of thinking like mate What makes you think that I got these nails to please you? Like, obviously, I got them because I like them. So shut the fuck up. Why else would I do it? So now why are you giving me your opinion? Clearly, they're not your style because I don't see you wearing acrylics, you old fucking man. But so we we get that. We have established that we have a different style. But why do you feel the need to tell me that you think that I'm disgusting where I've been polite to you the whole day? every other day that I've gone and bought a coffee from your business and supported your business day in, day out, day in, day out, always friendly, always asking you how your day is and your response is to weeks after knowing me coming in to say, that's disgusting. It blows my mind and obviously it's not a big deal and I'll move past it but I don't know, I, to be honest, like I just look at it from my perspective and how I would behave towards someone and I don't think I would ever, without them asking for my opinion, give them my unsolicited negative opinion in a rude way about the way they've styled themselves, especially when they've done it on purpose. It's not like there was like an outfit malfunction that he was warning me about. 
And people do this way more often than necessary. What is it to you if someone has a style that's different to yours? What is it to you? It is a good thing that people are different. I don't see how the, the world doesn't comprehend this. It is a good thing that we are all different. It would be a catastrophe if everyone was the same. And people see this difference and see it as something, as a threat or something negative when it's the opposite. Because if someone is different to you, that just reinforces the fact that you are unique. And if, I don't know, I just think that we need to take a step back and think next time you're about to open your mouth, you need to think, wait, what is it to me? How is it affecting my life or my day that that person is wearing bright green pants and do I need to make a comment? Or that that person is severely overweight, do I need to make a comment? It's like I'm pretty fucking sure that they're aware of their size. So regardless if they want to lose weight or not, that's up to them, not up to you to make that comment. The fact that that person you know, wears really hectic makeup in your opinion, I'm pretty sure they're aware of that. They're the ones that did their own makeup. So why do you need to make a comment? Why Why do you need to make a comment? So if someone makes a comment to you, feel free to question them. Just be like, excuse me, I just want to know, what's it to you? You know, don't take it. Don't just take it. Stop them in their tracks. If you see someone making a comment to someone else about their appearance, intervene and say, sorry, I just want to know, what's it to you? What is it to you? Because it is not your job to tell me how to feel about myself. Or it's not your job to tell that person how that they should feel about themselves. So thank you for your unsolicited opinion. But you are boring, clearly, because you can't accept the fact that people are different in this world. So good luck to you for the rest of your life. Anyway, that was a fucking rant and it's literally nearly half an hour and I've only done one point. So let's move on to the second point, which is negative self-talk. So negative self-talk, this one doesn't have to go for too long, but pretty much primarily stems from all this toxic stuff that I just spoke about in point one. So pretty much negative self-talk is very linked to the first step because it's anything that you have allowed to enter as what you deem to be true, what you're going to say, yep, I on a very deep level agree with that. Very often it's through external things, people, advertising, whatever. Um, Sometimes it can come from you, but often it's because, like sometimes you might create this out of nowhere. Maybe someone didn't say it to you, but it's very often you might have witnessed someone say it to someone else and you see yourself in that other person. Like maybe you always thought that your eyebrows were fine, but then you see someone criticizing someone else's eyebrows that you reckon look just like yours. And then all of a sudden you've got a complex about your eyebrows. So it's something, it's very often, almost always somehow external and you've kind of brought it in and said, yes, I will accept this as the truth. So I don't need to go in massive depth about that self-talk because that's pretty much very similar to what we just spoke about, about external talk. It's you've agreed either with yourself or with the external and now you are repeating that to yourself. And then the problem with that is that when you first realize this about yourself, that's the time where you can kind of intervene. Because you can be like, ugh, my eyebrows, for example, or my eyes, or my nose. But the thing is that it's funny how someone could highlight to you, oh, but that person's got, you know, a big nose and she looks really hot with that nose. 
um, your response is normally like, oh, no, no, but like she rocks it because she's really whatever. But I, however, don't look really good. You know, so you can make up a whole array of reasons why on you it's not great, it doesn't look good and that's just reinforcing your negative self-talk. I'm not saying that you have to be obsessed with every aspect of your body and that you shouldn't ever want to change it. It's okay, in my opinion, if you want to get something changed about you physically. As long as you're doing it for you and as long as you think that it's – and I spoke about this in the past, but it can't be because – so other people will like you more because that, again, is telling yourself that you are just not good enough as you are and you need to look a certain way so other people will like you. If you want to change your appearance, whether it's through surgery or whatever, if you're just doing it because it's – fully 100% for you, that's a different story. And I have no judgment on that whatsoever. You know, you honestly do you. But the issue lies is that in where a lot of people do it for acceptance. That's the problem because you still have not changed. You haven't done surgery on your thoughts. You've only changed the external. So if you're doing something so other people will accept you, after the surgery, you've still got that wired in thought of, I'm just not good enough unless I am pleasing to look at or pleasing to listen to or whatever. So you need to start jotting down every time you say a negative thought and you just need to think, is this, am I kind of repeating what someone said to me? Have I created this on my own? Just get a bit more analytical. Try and remove the emotion from that statement Um, And then you'll find you're more likely to kind of find where that stemmed from. Why do I feel that way? It's because I always saw my mom looking at herself in the mirror criticizing her hips. Or is it because someone said it to me or all of a sudden have I just created this thought out of nowhere? Because I can guarantee you for most things that you don't like about yourself, there's someone out there in this world who's fucking rocking it, rocking it. And no one even thinks twice about it because that person just wears it so well. You know, because they're like, no, I'm going to embrace the shit out of my enormous hips and I look like a fucking queen. Do you know what I mean? For for almost everything that you might criticize about yourself, there is someone out there who has made it part of their brand. Um, So it often is just the talk that you tell yourself. And sometimes when I even think of who is it that I consider the most beautiful person in the world, sometimes if I really break it down, I'm like, oh, there's probably... Victoria's Secret models that are hotter than her, but fuck, she's a fucking vibe that to me, no one's hotter than her. You know what I mean? Like often what ends up becoming so attractive is the whole package that you bring to the table and you stop making it just about these physical appearances. But we're told so much and then it becomes our own negative self-talk that it's, it's a need to look a certain way. And like I said earlier in the podcast, of course these brands or advertising or the media is going to make it a need because why else would you purchase something to make yourself look better if it wasn't a need? It wouldn't be that important. They've got to make it so that you absolutely have to have this and you'll spend more money on something external physical than you would on something that's actually going to be good for your health. And that's just... And whether you want to do that or not, I'm not here to criticize. Like, you do you. How many times have I mentioned that I buy fucking, I spend all my money on sneakers? But we all do it. But you just need to be aware of it. So I'm not expecting us all to just stop spending money on that. Like, I buy makeup. I buy, I do it too. 
but just be aware of of the fact that it's not a need it's a luxury it's just for fun and you've got to make it a little bit less emotional less it's more superficial this isn't deep stuff that we're purchasing here and the brands want you to think that it is but it's not the only thing that's really at stake here and important is what you are saying yes that is true i'll allow that to be part of my thought patterns now i'll allow that to be my truth that's what's important and that is what we need to look at that is what we need to work on not your fucking eyeliner fucking wing that's a luxury okay so there's a huge difference um okay number three perfectionism perfectionism literally stems again massively ties in but with this need that you are not good enough as you are however if you got to this certain point then you'd be acceptable but the problem with that is that we then bring that language into every area of our lives we're like okay we've got to look a certain way but we have to be a certain way and then we think okay well this isn't good enough this isn't good enough this isn't good enough I can't launch my business until it's perfect I can't um, feel comfortable in the bedroom with my boyfriend until my body's perfect I can't completely you know, let go and wear whatever I want until I've reached a certain weight. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Until, 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 until. The problem with that mentality is that you're always in a place of anticipating when things are going to be better, when you're going to get there. So you're never used to being genuinely cool and okay with how things are, with what's going on right now with you and just fully accept it, like accepting what is and being like, yeah, no, this is me right now. I'm accepting it. I'm going to rock it. We don't. Everything's like, when it's perfect, I'll do this. When it's So what happens with that is that we then paralyze ourselves from being able to do anything. We think that we need to look so hot in order to be sexually confident within our bodies. Not true. Not true at all. We think that we need to be the expert of the world on a certain topic before we can start to teach it to someone else again not true as long as you're not telling blatant lies it's not true you can start to share your knowledge like I am right now I'm definitely not the expert by any stretch of the imagination on neuroscience but I feel that I know enough that I can share it with you guys so you just have to understand that perfectionism is the enemy because it's going to stunt your growth as a person but we look at it as, oh, no, but I'm good because I'm striving for perfection. But that's a lie that we've told ourselves. You have to start before you're ready because that is where your resilience comes from. That's where your growth comes from because you learn so much as you're doing. How can you ever learn? How can you ever experience if you're not trying and doing? Are you going to fail along the way? 100%. But if you don't have that negative self-talk or if you're intercepting that negative self-talk, when you do fail not a big deal. You can kind of brush yourself off and continue on again. All right. Number four is competition and separation. So because of this need to look a certain way or be a certain way or achieve a certain amount of things, and it can be in anything, honestly, it doesn't have to be looks. You know, you get people that are self-conscious about how they mother because there's this apparently, and I'm not a mother, but apparently you know, a certain way that you should be a mother. And if you don't do it that way, then you're just not, you're inadequate. You're just not good enough because you spend too much time at work. There's this thing called mum guilt now that I see on social media all the time. People talking about mum guilt. 
because they stop breastfeeding at a certain point. That It's going to happen everywhere where you're going to be compared to other people in almost every area of your life. And what that creates is separation. Competition creates separation. Separation then creates more competition. And it's like this vicious cycle where you then become very isolated from the people around you because you feel that in order to get anywhere, you need to be better than them at something or at the bare minimum, you have to be on par at this level of competition with these people to prove your worth. And the opposite of that is true because the more connected you feel to people, the better you feel about yourself. So instead of thinking, oh my God, but she is so much better at, like for me, for example, if I met someone that was like infinitely better at reformer Pilates than I am, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I hate myself. Oh my God, I hate how I do reformer. No, I would probably try and be her bestie being like, let's fucking do reformer flows together. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'd turn her, probably I'd turn her into my mentor, to be honest. And that would then create a connection. And then I'd feel really good about myself because that's self-growth. It's me making a friend. It's me learning more. It's me then being able to add to my repertoire. Instead of thinking, ooh, she's a threat, that's a competition, step away from her. Don't tell anyone about her because she's really good and I don't want people knowing that she's better than me. That's the issue. You know, we start creating that separation. People can't know that this person's better than me at this. I'm not going to share her work. I'm not going to share this person's whatever. So that starts making you actually feel shitter about yourself. We think that like we're made to believe through our lives, through society, through whatever, that if you compete and win, then you're going to feel good about yourself. But you can work with someone, you can be collaborating with people and they can do better than you, but you haven't lost. So this idea of there's a winner and there's a loser, it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. But we kind of think that we, we've, we've led ourselves to believe that that is just the way it is. So you need to always look at a situation and think, stop. Am I making this a comparison or a competition? And if you are, then think, how can I make this a connection or a collaboration? So those are the things you want to look for. Every time you feel that a person is a threat, just say, am I creating it in my head that this is a competition? Am I separating myself from this person? Ask yourself that every time you feel that little feeling in your tummy, when you encounter someone that might be quote unquote a threat, which I think is a terrible word to use towards people because then again, you think that's a competition, a threat. Um, so if you feel that instinctively, that's the first feeling that you get, then cut the emotion out, intercept with the logical thought, have I created this in my mind and what can I do to change it? Is it possible to have a connection with this person? And if I can't have a one-on-one connection with that person, could I do something that would maybe help that person without ever knowing that I did that? And you'll feel better about yourself. Can I share their work even if I've never met them? Can I learn from this person and can they be my mentor or my um, someone that you look up to even if you never have the opportunity to talk to that person. There's always things you can do to feel a closer connection to someone else even if you don't know them on a personal level. So that's how I would combat competition and separation. Okay, number five, feelings of powerlessness and inadequacy. So 
this is very big on the self-talk and the reason you feel these ways is because of the self-talk. But when you feel that your self-worth is governed by things that you cannot control, you feel like the victim and you feel like, well, how can I love myself if I wasn't genetically blessed at birth? Or how can I love myself when I struggle really hard to get anything done academically? Or this, I could go on forever. So we feel powerless because we think that our worth is on on things that we cannot control. But you need to shift your self-worth and to like to strengthen your self-importance by putting the focus on things that cannot be bought, borrowed or stolen or given to you genetically. So it's kind of what you can earn. So for example, um, like I mentioned earlier when I said if you see someone being criticised, if you were to go and stand up for that person, that's now part of your character. You've earned that. You've earned this really nice aspect of your character where you are a defender of people. That's really fucking cool. You know, you can be someone that has the ability to make other people laugh all the time. That's something that can't be bought, borrowed or stolen from you. That's something that you've earned. You've earned that skill. Or if you're not innately funny, you might have the ability to make someone feel really good about themselves every time you have an encounter with them. And every time they walk away, they're like, wow, I feel like I take a really positive piece of that person every time I leave. Like they leave me feeling really nice. That's a fucking amazing character trait to have. So there are things that you can build within your character that can never be taken away from you. And then you'll start to really value that about yourself. You can be like, fuck, I bring so much to the table and it doesn't even have to be through intelligence or looks. It can be. You can be like an amazing educator. You could share your knowledge if that's where your strengths lie. But what I'm saying is that there are so many avenues in which you can impart a part of you to other people and you then put your self-importance on that, on what it is that you have to offer to other people. And it can have absolutely nothing to do with the way you were born, how you look, your intelligence. There's so many things that you don't have to derive your sense of self or sense of importance from those things. And you can get a really, really high level of genuine self-love when you see that where your self-importance comes from. Also, doing things for yourself is really huge. Like if you want to start exercising, it doesn't matter if you – want to start exercising well let's say you started exercising but you never lost a gram of weight you could still have a really high level of self-importance because you went from being able to run 1k to 10ks that's fucking awesome and you're healthier even if you never lost that weight you are now healthier you're stronger your cardiovascular system is stronger you are now loving your body more so there's always always something you can do for yourself or for other people that's going to heighten your sense of importance to yourself, how you start feeling about yourself. So that's a huge one. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're feeling inadequate, kind of ask yourself, am I putting my self-importance on something that I absolutely have zero control over? And how can I shift in this moment right now, how can I shift my focus and think about one thing that I do for other people that is unique to me and that makes other people feel good. Like how do I 
what do I have to offer as part of my character and personality that I have worked on that other people that make other people feel good or that betters someone else's day. And there's always something that you can find. And if there isn't, then fucking get your fucking shit together and start being a nicer person, seriously, because that's ridiculous. There's got to be something. Okay. Lastly is being guarded. This is number six, being guarded and not being vulnerable. So I wanted to really touch on this topic just because I didn't want to raise, I didn't want to create confusion here because I have said in a lot of my podcasts, I've mentioned this idea of you need to basically be the guardian of what is allowed in and you've got to be the gatekeeper. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm talking about having a wall because I thought the other day, I'm like, oh, what if that comes across as me telling you that you need to put a wall up? There's a huge difference between protecting yourself and being vulnerable and you can do both at the same time putting up a wall and not allowing people in not allowing connections to occur and being vulnerable cannot be done at the same time so there's a difference because vulnerability is allowing yourself to open up to other people it's allowing people to see who you are But being abused by someone, that's not vulnerability, okay? That's being fucking abused by someone. So that's what I mean about you being your protector. So you can still be super vulnerable, but you can be the one that then has your fucking back. That's what I mean when I say you've got to be the the gatekeeper. You are your own guardian. That wall is down. You bear all about yourself to people. You are honest. You are real. You are fucking real. You allow these conversations to happen. You get deep with people. But the moment someone is insulting you, trying to get into your psyche, trying to manipulate you, that's where you can stand the fuck up to yourself and nip it in the bud. Shut that person down. So it's got nothing to do with closing yourself off I now consider myself so much more vulnerable than I used to be I used to oh my god and I can't really pinpoint exactly when it started but definitely through most of my 20s I would say that I did have a wall up and I didn't even like getting emotional in arguments because I was like well don't show that side of you this is in in mind you this is in romantic relationships with family and friends that's different like they that would see the full version of me, emotional, when I'm angry, when I'm sad. But in a relationship, I always kind of, and this could stem, maybe maybe it did stem from that relationship when I was 18, or maybe not. I can't really pinpoint it because I didn't really date that much when I was a teenager. I was pretty, I never really had boyfriends in high school, maybe one or two that didn't last long. But, so it could be, it could have stemmed from that. But what I'm saying is that now I stand up for myself more than ever And I am the most vulnerable I've ever been. So the two actually go hand in hand quite well. Because the more you can stand up for yourself, the more vulnerable you feel you can be. Because you think, I can put myself out there. I can bear all. And I know that at the end of the day, if this fails, when all the chips are down, I I'm the one who's going to have my back. So it works. It's not like, I've got to be fucking guarded. No one can come in. No one, no one, no one. That's a huge sign of insecurity, thinking that if someone comes in, I'm fucked. The idea of having that genuine strength from inside is no matter who comes in, I am going to be fine. I'm going to be okay. 
no matter if I fall so hard for someone again, if I build up my self-worth, my self-importance, my self-love, then even if they left me, even if it was heartbroken, I would never turn on myself again. So always pinpoint those times where you're thinking, am I being, uh, am I standing up for myself or am I putting up a wall? to separate myself from someone else. So there's a huge difference. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable will increase your amount of self-love because that's a huge strength. Vulnerability is a massive strength because it's saying, here I am, I can actually bear all emotionally and I know that I can have my back if necessary if this kind of crumbles. And you'll impress yourself and you'll start seeing that side of you that's strong and resilient. Having a wall up you actually feel shitter about yourself because you're telling yourself, I'm not going to be able to handle this if shit goes down. But you are going to be able to handle it. So start being a little bit more open, start being a little bit more vulnerable and things are going to turn around. Okay, let's touch on a little bit of the neuroscience behind all of this. So your brain or your mind can be your biggest ally or it can be your biggest enemy. And what I mean by that is, if you instinctively and innately have very strong, helpful thought patterns, your brain is just by default your biggest ally. But m- most of us, or a lot of us at least, have created these thought patterns that are not helpful for us. And this is where our mind can be a bit of an enemy for us. So we've created these thought patterns that when a thought pattern is created enough, it becomes subconscious. So cells that fire together, wire together. If you have enough thought patterns happening when you link it to a certain emotion, if you do that enough, it becomes like a strong ass pathway in your brain and it's there to stay unless you change it, unless you try and actively intercept it and change it. But if you keep thinking a thought again and again, that thought pathway, the actual pathways get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Belief systems. It's like if you've ever tried to argue with someone who's never actually questioned something but just blindly believes something, impossible to argue with that person because they're the level of brainwash where no argument can get through to them. You literally, you're wasting your time arguing to these people. But that's an extreme example of someone who's done that cells that fire together, wire together to a fucking extreme. You absolutely cannot get through to them because they can't fathom a different thought pathway. So most of us are not at that level, um, but we can be at a certain level where the instinct is, boom, to think that negative thought. That's the instinct because we've just done it for so long and now it's just wired into us. The good thing about that is if you are one of those people who instinctively thinks a bad thought, you can intercept it and override it. And if you were to intercept it and override it every time, you're challenging that thought every single time. So If you think a thought and then intercept it and challenge it, the next time you think that thought, you're most likely going to link that thought with the time you challenged it. So it gets easier and easier and easier to intercept it. And then eventually you weaken that pathway because it's just not happening naturally. It's kind of being blocked and intercepted and blocked and you're arguing with yourself. And and so then that kind of dies off and you're replacing it with more positive self-talk. And like I said before, you don't need to lie to yourself. If you don't think that your nose is the best nose in the world, you don't have to say, I love my nose. And, you know, if you're telling yourself, oh, that's a lie. But you can replace it with a really nice comment about yourself or about how you have the ability to rock any look or how anything. There's a million different things that you could say 
that could override a really negative comment that you've made to yourself. So it's these, every time you think a thought, just think this is an electrical impulse that has just occurred enough times for it to become automatic and subconscious. So don't think, like, remove yourself from it. Don't think, oh my God, I am this way and that's it, it's done, it's done. Just be like, this is an electrical impulse. This is a neurotransmitter. This is a chemical reaction. It's just a, it's just a fucking chemical. A thought is, at the end of the day, chemical and electrical. That's it. That is all it is. So you kind of, you take away the importance of that thought. You kind of calm it down. You wash it over with that. And then you're able to approach it a little bit differently. So try doing that next time. Just intercept those thoughts. Intercept, intercept, intercept. And one thing that we also do is we put so for example we often will put ourselves down to make someone else feel better about themselves like we think that you can't shine with someone else shining next to you or it's going to make someone feel you know awkward about if if they're complaining about something in themselves and you're like oh well you should see my situation and then you put yourself down what are you doing what are you doing you're just telling your brain you're reinforcing your brain that that's what you should be thinking so You just need to stop thinking that you need to put yourself down to make someone else feel good about themselves. Just stop that language immediately. And if someone's putting themselves down, don't compete being like, well, you think that's shit. Look how shit mine is. You could do them a favor and instead highlight something that's good about them or highlight something that you admire in that person. So that pretty much wraps up everything that I wanted to cover in this episode of the self-love Um, podcast but I'm sure there's going to be many more self-love episodes to come because it's kind of like a never-ending thing and there's always things we can do to work on it but I don't know I just wish that maybe if you could go back and pinpoint those times where you felt the most attacked or felt the most hurt it's like you kind of want to make a promise to yourself and look back at those times and say to yourself today I will never let myself down again like I did that day. I understand that maybe that at that time I didn't have the tools back then to stick up for myself, but now I do. And I will never, ever let that happen to me again. I will never agree with someone that's putting me down. I will never abandon myself like I did that day. So you draw a line in the sand right now, right now, and you decide – I'm done. I am fucking done putting other people's opinions above my self, my self-love and my relationship with myself because that impacts my life. That one fucking statement, if I agree with them, I'm saying that statement is more important than the whole life that I now have to live with myself. So make that call. Never again are you going to abandon yourself like you have done in the past. It's done. So everything that I've spoken about, listen to this podcast again and again and again and again and look at all those tools. How many times did I offer you tools where you can intercept a thought or where you can think something and be like, whoa, let's break this down. I've said that many times this podcast. So I want you to go back whenever you're feeling shit about yourself, listen to it because a lot of them are thought patterns that have just become automatic and you're not even questioning them. So please break it down. Question those thoughts. Think why. Where did it stem from? Can I override this? There's so many things that you can do to stop those thought patterns from happening. I really hope this has been helpful. It's something that, 
like I said at the start, I do feel is at the root of every success in your life, whether it's relationship, whether it's experiences, it, it can all be made beautiful by your relationship with yourself or it can be made horrible by your relationship with yourself. So really, if you're going to work on one thing this year, make it self-love because then it's a, it's an incredible flow and effect after that of all the amazing things that can come from that. But you want to have a really healthy relationship with yourself. Please, for, that for me is just, if there's one thing that I can give to you guys is to try and plant that seed that this is one of the most important things that you're ever going to work on. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Fucking love you all. The messages of support that I've been getting about this podcast has been absolutely unreal. Um, you guys sharing the podcast, it's fu- it actually gives me life. It just makes me want a podcast every single day. I just love, I love you guys. Love the support. Love the fam that we're creating here. It's amazing. Um, and I will speak to you guys next week. Not sure on the topic yet. As usual, I normally decide on the day, whatever's inspiring me at the time. Um, so yeah, please keep sharing it and sharing it to friends that you think might need it. Share it on the Instagram, tag me in it, rate, review, all the above. And please be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brain and au revoir. Bye.